0: listening to the mystical city of god in a year podcast i'm father edward looney and throughout the year i'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of god over 2500 pages if you would like to discuss today's readings head on over to facebook and there you'll find the mystical city of god in a year podcast group and you'll be able to share your thoughts and reflections with others who are listening and following along Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sore Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate, teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady, teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts, the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 248. And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 18, Paragraphs 586-593. to 593. Chapter 18 The council convenes on the Friday morning to substantiate the charges against the Savior Jesus. They send him to Pilate, Most Holy Mary with St. John, and the three Marys go forth to meet Jesus. 586 at the dawn of Friday morning, say the evangelists, Matthew 27, 1, Mark 15:1, Luke 22, 66, John eleven forty-seven. 47. The ancients, the chief priests, and the scribes, who, according to the law, were looked upon with greatest respect by the people, gathered together in order to come to a common decision concerning the death of Christ. This they all desired. However, they were anxious to preserve the semblance of justice before the people, This council was held in the house of Caiaphas, where the Lord was imprisoned. Once more they commanded him to be brought from the dungeon to the hall of the council in order to be examined. The satellites of justice rushed below to drag him forth, bound and fettered as he was. And while they untied him from the column of rock, they mocked him with great contempt, saying, Well now, Jesus of Nazareth, how little have thy miracles helped to defend thee! The power which thou didst vaunt of being able to rebuild the temple in three days has failed altogether in securing thy escape. But thou shalt now pay for thy presumption, and thy proud aspirations shall be brought low. Come now to the chief priests and the scribes. They are awaiting thee to put an end to thy imposition, and deliver thee over to Pilate, who will quickly finish thee. Having freed the Lord from the rock, they dragged him up to the council. The Lord did not open his lips, but the tortures, the blows, and the spittle with which they had covered him, and which he could not wipe off on account of his bounds, had so disfigured him that he now filled the members of the council with a sort of dreadful surprise, but not with compassion. Too great was their envious wrath conceived against the Lord." 5.87. 5.87. They again asked him to tell them whether he was the Christ, Luke 22, one, that is, the anointed. Just as all their previous questions, so this was put with the malicious determination not to listen or to admit the truth, but to calumniate and fabricate a charge against him. But the Lord, being perfectly willing to die for the truth, denied it not, At the same time he did not wish to confess it in such a manner, that they could despise it, or borrow out of it some color for their calumny, for this was not becoming his innocence and wisdom. Therefore he veiled his answer in such a way that if the Pharisees chose to yield to even the least kindly feeling, they would be able to trace up the mystery hidden in the words, But if they had no such feeling, then should it become clear, through their answer, that the evil which they imputed to him was the result of their wicked intentions, and lay not in his answer. He therefore said to them, If I tell you that I am he of whom you ask, you will not believe what I say. And if I shall ask you, you will not answer nor release me. But I tell you that the Son of Man after this shall seat himself at the right hand of the power of God. Luke 22.67 The priests answered, Then thou art the Son of God. And the Lord replied, You say that I am. This was as if he had said, You have made a very correct inference, that I am the Son of God, for my works and my doctrines and your own scripture, as well as what you are now doing with me, testify to the fact that I am the Christ, the one promised in the law. 5.88 But this council of the wicked was not disposed to assent to divine truth. Although they themselves inferred it very correctly from the antecedents and could easily have believed it, they would neither give assent nor belief, but preferred to call it a blasphemy deserving death. Since the Lord had now reaffirmed what he had said before they all cried out, what need have we of further witnesses, since he himself asserts it by his own lips?' and they immediately came to the unanimous conclusion that he should, as one worthy of death, be brought before Pontius Pilate, who governed Judea in the name of the Roman Emperor, and who was the temporal lord of Palestine. According to the laws of the Roman Empire, capital punishment was reserved to the Senate or the Emperor and his representatives in the remote provinces. Cases of such importance as involving the taking away of life were looked upon as worthy of greater attention, as not to be decided without giving the accused a hearing and an opportunity of defense and justification. In these affairs of justice, the Roman people yielded to the requirements of natural reason, more faithfully than other nations. In regard to this trial of Christ, the priests and scribes were pleased with the prospect of having sentence of death passed upon Christ our Lord by the heathen pilot, because they could then tell the people that he was condemned by the Roman governor and that this certainty would not have happened if he were not guilty of death. To this extent, had they been blinded by their sins and their hypocrisy, that they failed to see how much more guilty and sacrilegious they would even then be than the gentle judge. But the Lord arranged it thus, in order that by their own behavior before Pilate they might reveal all their wickedness more plainly, as we shall see immediately. 5.89 The executioners therefore brought our Savior Jesus Christ to the house of Pilate in order to present him still bound with the same chains and ropes in which they had taken him from the garden before his tribunal. The city of Jerusalem was full of strangers who had come from all of Palestine to celebrate the great pasch of the lamb and of the unleavened bread. As the rumor of this arrest was already spread among the people and as the master of life was known to all of them, a countless multitude gathered in the streets to see him brought in chains through the streets, they were divided in their opinion concerning the Messiah. Some of them shouted out, Let him die, let him die, this wicked impostor, who deceives the whole world. Others answered, His doctrines do not appear to be so bad, nor his works, for he has done good to many. Still others who had believed in him were much afflicted and wept, while the whole city was in confusion and uproar concerning the Nazarene. Lucifer and all his demons were very attentive to what was passing. For seeing himself secretly overcome by the invincible patience and meekness of Christ the Lord, he was stirred to uncontrollable fury by his own pride and haughtiness at the haunting suspicion that such virtues could not be those of mere human being. On the other hand, he could not understand how his allowing himself to be despised and ill-treated and his succumbing to so much bodily weakness, and as it were, total annihilation, could ever... Harmonize with his being, true God. For if he were God, said the dragon to himself, his divinity would never consent to such annihilation, and the power inherent in his divine nature and communicated to the humanity would certainly prevent such weaknesses. Lucifer argued, like one who knew nothing of the suspension of the overflow of the divine upon the human nature, which the Lord had secretly ordained for the purpose of securing the highest degree of suffering possible, as I have mentioned above. Number 498, by these misgivings, the pride of Satan was lashed to still more furious efforts in the persecution of the Lord, so as to ascertain who this one was that knew how to suffer torments in such a manner. 590, the sun had already arisen while these things happened, and the Most Holy Mother, who saw it all from afar, now resolved to leave her retreat and follow her divine Son to the house of Pilate, and to his death on the cross. When the great queen and lady was about to set forth from the cenacle, St. John arrived in order to give an account of all that was happening. For the beloved disciple at that time did not know of the visions by which all the doings and sufferings of her most holy son were manifest to the blessed mother. After the denial of St. Peter, St. John had retired, and had observed more from afar what was going on, recognizing also the wickedness of his flight in the garden. He confessed it to the mother of God and asked her pardon as soon as he came into her presence. And then he gave an account of all that passed in his heart, of what he had done and what he had seen in the following his master. St. John thought it was well to prepare the afflicted mother for her meeting with her most holy son in order that she might not be overcome by the fearful spectacle of his present condition. Therefore, he sought to impress her beforehand with some image of his sufferings by saying, "'O my lady,' In what a state of suffering is our divine master! The sight of him cannot but break one's heart. For by the buffets and the blows and by the spittle his most beautiful countenance is so disfigured and defiled that thou wilt scarcely recognize him with thy own eyes. The most prudent lady listened to the description as if she knew nothing of the events, but she broke out in bitterest tears of heart-rending sorrow." The holy women who had came forth with the lady also listened to St. John, and all of them were filled with grief and terror at his words. The Queen of Heaven asked the Apostle to accompany her and the devout women, and exhorting them all, she said, Let us hasten our steps, in order that my eyes may see the Son of the Eternal Father, who took human form in my womb. And you shall see, my dearest friends, to what the love of mankind has driven him, my Lord and God and what it costs him to redeem men from sin and death, and to open for them the gates of heaven. 5.91 The Queen of Heaven set forth through the streets of Jerusalem, accompanied by St. John and by some holy women. Of these, not all, but only the three Marys and other very pious women followed her to the end. With her were also the angels of her guard, whom she asked to open a way for her to her divine Son. The holy angels obeyed and acted as her guard. On the streets, she heard the people expressing their various opinions and sentiments concerning the sorrowful events now transpiring in reference to Jesus of Nazareth. The more kindly-hearted lamented over his fate, and they were fewest in number. Others spake about the intention of his enemies to crucify him. Others related where he now was and how he was conducted through the streets bound as a criminal. Others spoke of the ill-treatment he was undergoing. Others asked what evil he had done that he should be so misused. Others again in their astonishment and in their doubts examined to this then have his miracles brought him without a doubt, they were all impostors, since he cannot defend or free himself. All the streets and squares were full of people and excited talk. But in the midst of this excitement, the invincible queen. Though filled with the bitterest sorrow, preserved her constancy and composure, praying for the unbelievers and the evildoers, as if she had no other case than to implore grace and pardon for their sins. She loved them as sincerely as if she were receiving favors and blessings at their hands. She permitted no indignation or answer to arise in her heart against the sacrilegious ministers of the passion and death of her beloved son nor any sign of such feelings in her exterior conduct. All of them she looked upon with charity, and the desire of doing them good. 5.92 Some of them that met her on the streets recognized her as the mother of Jesus of Nazareth, and moved by their natural compassion said, O sorrowful mother, what a misfortune has overtaken thee! How must thy heart be wounded and lacerated with grief? Others again impiously said, What didst thou permit him to introduce such novelties among the people? It would have been better to restrain and dissuade him, but it will be a warning for other mothers that will learn from thy misfortunes how to instruct their children. These and other horrible sentiments were expressed in the hearing of the sincerest dove. But all of them she met with burning charity, accepting the pity of the kind-hearted and suffering the malice of the unbelievers. She was not surprised at the ingratitude of the unresponsive and the ignorant, but implored the Eternal Father to impart suitable blessings to all. 593. Through the swarming and confused crowds, the angels conducted the Empress of Heaven to a sharp turn of the street where she met her Most Holy Son. With the profoundest reverence she prostrated herself before his sovereign person and adored it more fervently with a reverence more deep and more ardent than ever was given or ever shall be given to it by all the creatures. She arose and then the mother and the son looked upon each other with ineffable tenderness, interiorly conversing with each other in transports of an unspeakable sorrow. The most prudent lady stepped aside and then followed Christ our Lord, continuing at a distance her interior communication with him and with the eternal father the words of her soul are not for the mortal and corruptible tongue but among other prayers the afflicted mother said most high god and my son i am aware of thy burning love for men which leads thee to hide the infinite power of thy divinity beneath the form of passable flesh formed in my womb I confess thy incomprehensible wisdom in accepting such affronts and torments and sacrificing thyself, who art the Lord of all creation, for the rescue of man who is but a servant dust and ashes. Genesis 3.19 Thy goodness is to be praised, blessed, confessed, and magnified by all creatures. But how shall I, thy mother, ever cease to desire that all these injuries be heaped upon me, and not upon thy divine person, who art the beauty of all the angels and the glory of the Eternal Father? How shall I cease to desire the end of these pains? With what sorrow is my heart filled to behold thee so afflicted, thy most beautiful countenance so defiled, and when I see that to the Creator and Redeemer alone is denied pity and compassion and such bitter suffering? But if it is not possible that I relieve thee as mother, do thou accept my sorrowful sacrifice, and not being able to bring thee the relief which is due to the true And Holy Son of God. This concludes our reading today for day number 248. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 18, paragraphs 586 to 593. When Jesus was brought before the tribunal, he said, You have made a very correct inference that I am the Son of God, for my works, my doctrines, and your own scripture, as well as what you are now doing with me, testify to the fact that I am the Christ, the one promised in the law. And so if we go to the scriptures, we see that promise, especially in the prophecy of Isaiah, in the suffering servant. We see it in the book of Lamentations. We see it all throughout the Old Testament, the suffering of the promised one. And here Jesus says, you've said it, and here I am. This is true. I am the one. Then we had these people gathering in the streets in our reading today, and Some of them said, let him die, let him die. Others answered, his doctrines do not appear to be so bad. And you wonder if the people in the streets, if some of those people were the ones who witnessed the great miracles that he did, if they were some of the people who received the feeding of the 5,000, that they were present in his life, and now here they are. They've turned their back on the Lord, and they're following their own whims, their own fancies in this situation. And then we have Our Lady. She's leaving her retreat, It said. Maybe in these previous days, she was preparing herself for this moment of her son's death. So she's leaving where she was so that she could follow Jesus along the way. St. John comes and tells her what's happening, preparing her to know what she will see, even though she's already interiorly seen it. She breaks out in tears. She prays for the unbelievers and the evildoers. This is a woman who is so selfless. She is always concerned about the other, and even in the prayer that she addresses to Almighty God, and interestingly, what we heard was, the words of her soul are not for the mortal and corruptible tongue, but among other prayers that the afflicted mother said, in her interior communication with him, and with the eternal Father. So she's having this internal communication with God the Father, and Jesus knows this interior conversation as well, and she has that prayer. But she's praying. She's pouring out her heart to God. She understands what's happening. And she doesn't lose faith, but she keeps persevering in the love of God in love of neighbor, and in belief in her son Jesus. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.